Hello. 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 Uh, welcome to Infinite Cast. A podcast. <laughs> Untangle yourself from that mic. Yes, cord. I'm all tangled up in the cords. I'm tangled up in cord. Yeah, I'm tangled up in blue. Uh, what's up? I'm in the. I'm weirdly in the You're sun. You're in the sun. It's, I, why is it this, the sun shining? It's on like me only so on you. Uh, this is not usually the case, even though this is around the same time that we record most weeks. I don't know. The The earth does appear to be rotating and stuff. I mean, actually, I have no idea how any the, of that stuff the, works. The earth do be like that. It, do, be, it, it do be spinning. It's rotating and it's it's also moving around a yeah. thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Different axes, axes. I don't know. Uh, I don't think I have anything, any, any, uh, for, for, for play, uh, before we get started with the reading today. I don't think I have any either, honestly. I think we can get right into it. All right, let's do it. Let's, let's start some reading. All right. Well, we're going back after Shaqt started playing his, uh, Port Washington tournament game. We are now back to good old Ennett House Drug and Alcohol Recovery House. That is very funny to me. The, the, the house recovery house. Uh, quick, actually quick, quick little learning lesson. Do you know what sick means? Uh, I'm sure it's Latin for something. I believe I looked it up because I was sick. Semper tyrannis. Uh, uh, what does that mean? Thus always to tyrants. Well, sick can mean thus, or it can mean in that in the particular uh, meaning of the way uh, it's used in like grammar, like to denote like spelling mistakes or whatever. Uh, as so written. Yes, I mean that's the well, how I hear it intended. Yeah, I just I didn't real I didn't know that I never took Latin. Did you take Latin? Uh, I took it for like. Six months. I really wanted to take Latin because I was really into history, and I knew that uh, understanding Latin was basically essential for understanding Western history, but my parents mm-hmm. wouldn't let me take Latin. They wanted me to take something, quote-unquote, practical. Ah, uh, uh, yes, all the Spanish you speak every day. Yeah, so they made me take... I, I, t- I ended up taking like something like six years of Spanish between middle school and high school, and then when I tested into Spanish in college, I tested into Spanish 101. <laughs> Uh, after six years of studying it, That's also my hilarious. Spanish teacher uh, and I in high school had a, a very a, a, a joshingly antagonistic relationship because it was uh, Spanish. Learning Spanish was very difficult for me. Learning languages in general mm-hmm. was very difficult mm-hmm. for me. Um, it, it was just not something that my mind was built to work around, uh, and so I I tried, but I was bad at it. And my Spanish teacher in high school, you know, was like. <laughs> basically called me out being like you're not very good at this are you and i was like senior godoy i am not very good at this i feel like that's a very uh sh- shacked and um shtit relationship yeah. where only once you have accepted your essential failure at the task can you have a kind of like uh equanimity in your relationship with your teacher um and i just remember at uh my high school graduation running into my spanish teacher and basically being like Hello, Senor Godoy. Uh, thank you for trying to teach me Spanish. I'm sorry. I wasn't very good at it. Lo siento. Like, Lo siento. And he was like, uh, uh, I, it's okay. I, I really enjoyed having you as a student. You're a nice guy. And I, I can, uh, you know, I know that you tried. Also, you speak Spanish we- we- weirdly. You, like, you pronounce it more weirdly than almost anyone I've ever encountered in like 20 years of teaching Spanish. See, look, look at that. Way. Look at that in a bad way. <laughs> Lo, lo siento para no hablar uh, español yeah. bien. Yes, exactly. <laughs> lo right. siento, señor Godoy. Lo siento, señor Godoy. Uh, all right, let's do it. All right, so I guess we did have a little preamble there. We, we, we worked into it. Not a lot of Spanish in this book, uh, but no. some Latin. Uh, some Latin, some French. 
A Quebecois, I should say. All right. Uh, both Pat Montesian and Gately's AA sponsor like to remind Gately how this new resident, Jeffrey Day, could end up being an invaluable teacher of patience and tolerance for him, Gately, as Ennett House staff. So then at 46 years of age, I came here to learn to live by cliches, is what Day says to Charlotte Treat right after, <laughs> right after Randy Lenz asked what time it was again at 08.25. To turn my will and life over to the care of cliches, one day at a time, easy does it. First things first. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. Ask, <laughs> ask for help. Thy will, not mine, be done. It works if you work it. Grow or go. Keep coming back. Poor old Charlotte Treat, needle-pointing primly beside him on the old vinyl couch that just came from Goodwill, purses her lips. You need to ask for some gratitude. Oh, no, but the point is, I've already been fortunate enough to receive gratitude. Day crosses one leg over the other in a way that inclines his whole soft little body toward her. For which, believe you me, I'm grateful. I cultivate gratitude. That's part of the system of cliches I'm here to live by. An attitude of gratitude. A grateful drunk will never drink. I know the actual cliche is a grateful heart will never drink, but since organs can't properly be said to imbibe, and I'm still afflicted with just enough self-will to decline to live by utter non-sequiturs as opposed to just good old cliches, I'm taking the liberty of light amendment. He gives this with a look like butter wouldn't melt. <laughs> Albeit grateful amendment, of course. <laughs> Charlotte Treat looks over to Gately for some sort of help or staff reinforcement uh, of dogma. The poor bitch is clueless. All of them are clueless still. Gately reminds himself that he too is probably mostly still clueless, still, even after all these hundreds of days. I didn't know that I didn't know is another of the slogans that looks so shallow for a while and then all of a sudden drops off and deepens like the lobster waters off the North Shore. <laughs> As Gately fidgets his way through daily AM meditation, he always tries to remind himself daily that this is all an Ennett House residency is supposed to do. Buy these poor yutzes some time, some thin pie slice of abstinent time till they uh, can start to get a whiff of what's true and deep, almost magic under the shallow surface of what they're trying to do. I cultivate it assiduously. I do special gratitude exercises at night up there in the room. Gratitude ups, you could call them. <laughs> Ask Randy over there if I don't do them like clockwork, diligently, sedulously. Well, it's true as all, treat sniffs, about gratitude. Everybody else, except Gately, lying on the old other couch opposite them, is ignoring this exchange, watching an old interlaced cartridge whose tracking is a little messed up so that staticky stripes eat at the screen's pictures, bottom and top. Day is not done talking. Pat M. encourages newer staff to think of residents they'd like to bludgeon to death as valuable teachers of patience, tolerance, self-discipline, restraint. Day is not done talking. One of the exercises is being grateful that life is so much easier now. I used to sometimes, uh, I used sometimes to think, I used to think in long compound sentences with subordinate clauses and even the odd polysyllable. Now I find I needn't. Now I live by the dictates of macrame samplers ordered from the back page ad of an old Reader's Digest or Saturday Evening Post. Easy does it. Remember to remember. But for the grace of capital G God, turn it over. Terse, hard-boiled, monosyllabic. 
good old Norman Rockwell, Paul Harvey wisdom. <laughs> I walk around with my arms out straight in front of me and recite these cliches in a monotone, no inflection necessary. Could that be one? Could that be added to the cliche pool? No inflection necessary. Mm, too many syllables, probably. Randy Lenz says, I ain't got time for this shit. Poor old Charlotte Treat, all of nine weeks clean, is trying to look Charlotte primer. Treat. I, know. I enjoy that name. Charlotte Treat is trying to look primer and primer. She looks again over to Gately, lying on his back, taking up the living room's whole other sofa, <laughs> one sneaker up on the sofa's square, frayed, fabric arm thing, his eyes almost closed. Only staff get to lie on the couches. <laughs> Denial, Charlotte finally says, is not a river in Egypt. <laughs> I can tell that he's having fun doing just, mm-hmm. just doing this cliche block. <laughs> How's about the both of you shut the fuck up, says Emil Minty. <laughs> <laughs> you remember, Emil, he's got that unfortunate tattoo, that racist tattoo. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. I was just thinking, because he said bitch earlier in this, he doesn't swear that much in, the, in this book, uh, which I find Not interesting. Not without a good reason. Yeah, because it's like, uh, I mean, maybe my mom's right. Is that all of us kids uh, swear, we swear too, too much, much in uh, in casual conversation? But it is true mm-hmm. that when it just becomes like water, it, it loses its impact. But it is so fun to swear. It That's is. why I still do it. Well, the 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 only thing is when a, when a fuck becomes like an um, you know? Yeah. And then you're like, what what am I doing? Oh god. Oh no. Oh god. Okay. Oh, god. I'll, I'll, I'll keep reading. Okay, keep reading, but you won't hear. <laughs> I gave you a trophy for best listener. I'll I'll vamp. Um, while Chris goes and gets whatever just came to the door. Um, oh boy. Well, you know, I've been thinking about uh guests for this show because I know some people, uh, some listeners have reached out and wanting to to appear as guests, which I would like to do. I just don't know the best way to do it of it if it is as simple as they join for the listening period and then share their thoughts or if it's more like a a, a gestalt an overall uh, uh chat about favorite things about the book in general so i have to think about that um but i was thinking <laughs> a guess that i would really like on the show and i don't know if i had said if i'd said previously is that one of the members of the band lmfao red foo is a huge tennis player was a a competitive junior tennis player who in the midst of his fame as a part of LMFAO also uh, was continuing to try to play tennis including one thing at like the US Open where he did a stunt serve return with Serena Williams it was was, I don't know like there's something there's something there and I do wonder if maybe I could pry him out of his like semi-public retirement by asking him if he'd want to be on this show I'm manifesting basically Uh, my friend has my friend our friend Connor I believe has gotten uh, a Tennis lessons from Red Foo. Does that mean he has his contact he would, information? T- Connor enjoyed uh, playing a, some casual tennis at a, at a local in club. LA. Yeah, and a, and apparently Red Foo would be there sometimes uh, doing okay, uh, like just giving out uh, what what do you call it? like not masters, Mas- when, pro pro lessons, pro lessons. He was giving pro lessons. Yeah, basically, you just like show up and like give tips. He coached and stuff. he coached a youth girls team at one point. Like he's he's in it. And I just I would like to know his thoughts. I don't I don't even care if he's read this book. I was just talking about guest guestmanship in general. Yeah, guestmanship in general. Because I've been thinking general. about it. Because I know we've gotten some some requests of people who would he like. He's a red foo, an infinite jest esque character. Yeah. A tennis player pop star. Yeah. Who is like kind of ruthlessly analytically devoted to like the most 
uh uh like ba- debased type of pop music. Yep. I don't know. It seems entertainment. Like, it seems like something that, that could be or the yeah. entertainment. Yeah. Anyway, let's go. Keep going. anyway. Uh, Jeffrey, not Jeff. Jeffrey Day has been <laughs> at Ennett House for six days. He came from Roxbury's infinite, infamous Dimuk Detox, where Dimuk Detox, where he was the only white person, which Gately Betts must have been broadening for him. <laughs> Day has a squished, blank, smeared, flat face, one requiring like great self-effort to like. And eyes that are just starting to lose the uh, nick, 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 glaze of early sobriety. Uh, I'll put that one in the dictionary after. Day is a newcomer and a wreck, a red wine and quaalude man who finally, <laughs> finally nodded out. I know in late October and put his sob through the window of a Malden sporting goods store. <laughs> And then got out and proceeded to browse until the finest came and got him. <laughs> who taught something horseshit sounding like social historicity or historical sociality at some junior college up the expressway in Medford. And came in saying on his intake he also manned the helm of a scholarly quarterly. Word for word, the house manager had said, manned the helm and scholarly. His intake estimated that Day has been in and out of a blackout for most of the last several years, and his wiring is still, as they say, a bit frayed. His detox at Dimmick, where they barely have the resources to give you a librium if you start to DT, must have been just real grim, because Jeffrey D. alleges it never happened. Now his story is he just strolled into Ennett House on a lark one day from his home 10 plus clicks away in Malden and found the place too hilariously egregious to want to ever leave. <laughs> um, uh, it's the newcomers with some education that are the worst, according to Gene M. They identify their whole selves with their head and the disease makes its command headquarters in the head, which takes us to endnote number 90. Oh, boy. Uh-oh, it's a long one. Uh, E.g., selected snippet from the individual resident informal interface hours of D.W. Gately, live-in staff, Ennett House Drug and Alcohol Recovery House, Enfield, Massachusetts, on and off from just after the Brookline Young People's AA meeting up to about 23-29 hours, Wednesday, 11th of November, YDAU. I fear I simply have to deny the insinuation that it's disloyal or ungrateful to find oneself troubled by certain quite glaring inconsistencies in this master quote-unquote program you all seem to expect us simply to open up and blindly swallow whole and then walk around glazed with our arms right out straight in front of us, parroting, reciting. That's the second time he's referenced arms out straight in front of us. The zombie recovery guy. Jeff, uh, Jeffrey, man. I don't think anybody's trying to insinuate anything over on you, brother. I know I ain't trying to. No, you simply sit there with your arms crossed, nodding with that timeless patience that communicates condescension and judgment without exposing you to responsibility for insinuating anything aloud. Maybe when I look patient, I'm really trying to be patient with myself for not finishing school and etc. and having a hard time keeping up with you. This AA tactic of masking condescension behind this humility. Is a, this is a conversation between Don and, and Jeff at and a different the, time. And Jeffrey. Jeffrey Day, excuse me. The 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 community college academic who crashes sob through a sporting group. Good start. Okay. Uh, uh crashes sob through a uh, um uh yes, yeah, a sporting good start. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just trying to you know, it helps to just yeah. say it out loud to keep everything straight. Totally. Uh 
I guess I'm just sorry for you. You're feeling frustrated with the program today. I know there's lots of days I'm frustrated with it. So I don't know what to say helpful to you except what they said to me to just hang in there. One day out of one day out of one day. <laughs> I appreciate you doing the voices. Yeah. He's, he's kind of a, the, I'm, I'm try, just trying to take it one day at a time. Yeah, a little, a little bit of a, like, a, yeah. a great poop kind yeah. of guy. <laughs> uh, brother, that's just all I know to tell you that's worked for me. I know for me it don't matter if there's days I fucking hate it. I just have to do it. And it don't help me or anybody else if I go around uh, negativing on newcomers and trying to take my issues out <laughs> on trying to fuck them up with God puzzles. <laughs> Mr. Gately, sir, I found myself sitting tonight in yet another Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, the central message of which was the importance of going to still more Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. This infuriating carrot and donkey aspect of trudging to meetings, only to be told to trudge to still more meetings. I hear you. <laughs> As if, I mean, what's supposedly going to be communicated at these future meetings I'm exhorted to trudge to that cannot simply be communicated now, at this meeting, instead of the glazed recitation of exhortations to attend these vague future revelatory meetings. I'm doing my best to stay with you here, day man. <laughs> and tonight I'm just settling in in yet another uneven-legged chair, cultivating that glazed, passive, spectatorial state of mind that is clearly what they're trying to inspire in the ephebe, settling in next to a positively redolent Emile M and trying to hold my poor, addled, denial-ridden mind open with all available mane, listening to this ravaged-looking Yaley in yellow slacks detail episodes of Tremens whose gruesomeness interdicted any possible identification. Uh, I'm remembering I heard Pat tell you that thinking people who are walking ahead of you are following you is a pretty bad kind of DTs, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and I informed her that there's a well-known surveillance tactic known as the box surveillance, which involves certain members of the surveillance team establishing themselves in front of the subject. <laughs> Uh, except I don't ever remember you explaining why a sociology teacher weaving his way from his fourth bar to his fifth bar is important enough for four guys from some you never mentioned what kind of conspiracy to be pulling this real complex surveillance thing. <laughs> uh, silence from Jeffrey. Except I was interrupting your point you were sharing, I know, and I'm sorry. Your basic decency is why you're whom I bring my thoughts to, Don. You know that. That makes me feel good, day man. I mean, to whom else might I speak? The girl who takes her eye out and fondles it? The girl reading this. The poor, poor Ewell with his obsessive tattoo charts? Lens? That's Randy Lens. It makes me feel good you think I'm decent to talk to. That's supposed to be why I'm here. I sure needed to talk at the start. Can you remember where you were headed before I broke, uh, interrupted? Something this broken Ivy Leaguer said, some AA Sally. He said that the only one newcomer in a million actually trudges into an Alcoholics Anonymous closed meeting and in fact doesn't belong there. <laughs> Meaning doesn't turn out to have the disease, you mean. Yes. And that he said that, quote, if you, looking right at yours truly, seemingly... Oh, God. Oh, wait, no, no. Okay. With that wearily amused patient expression, you all must practice in front of the mirror. He said that only one newcomer in a million doesn't belong here. And if, quote, you think that you're that one in a million, you definitely belong here. <laughs> and everyone howled with mirth, stomped their feet and blew coffee through their noses and wiped their eyes with the backs of their hands and elbowed each other. Howled with mirth. Uh, but you were, like, unsmiling at it. <laughs> 
and everyone labels as denial or ingratitude what's actually horror, Don. The horror of acknowledging that you do apparently have some sort of problem with mild sedatives and fine Chianti (laughs) and wanting with all sincerity to give every fair chance to a treatment modality which millions swear up and down has helped them with their own problem. Chianti was was so hot around this time. That little basket. Yeah. Uh, You're talking about AA. To want very much to believe in it and to try and then to your horror find the program riddled with these obvious and idiotic fallacies and reductia ad absurdum, which I'm going to need you to try. uh, I'm going to need to ask you to try and say that again in words I can follow, Jeffrey, if you want me to be there right alongside (laughs) with you. And I'm sorry if that seems descending. Descending? Don, I am sincere when I say I'm frightened when I find that there are things about this allegedly miraculous program's doctrine that simply do not follow, that do not cohere, that do not make anything resembling rational sense. I'm with you on that one now, brother. Tonight's example of the one in a million, say, Don, let me ask you, Don, in all earnest, why shouldn't every human being in the world be in AA? Well, now I'm not with you anymore again, Jeffrey. Don, why doesn't every featherless biped on earth qualify for AA? By AA's reasoning, why isn't everybody everywhere an alcoholic? Well, Jeffrey, man, it's a totally private decision to admit the disease. (laughs) Nobody can go tell another man he's... But indulge me for a second. By AA's own professed logic, everyone ought to be in AA. If you have some sort of substance problem, then you belong in AA. But if you say you do not have a substance problem, in other words, if you deny that you have a substance problem, why then you're by in definition in denial. And thus you apparently need the denial-busting fellowship of AA even more than someone who can admit his problem. Uh, silence from, from Don. Don't look at me like that. Show me the flaw in my reasoning, I beg you. Show me why not everyone should be in AA given the way AA regards those who don't believe they belong there. Again, silence from uh, Don. And now you don't know what to say. There's no cockle-warming cliche that applies. The slogan I've heard that might work here is the slogan analysis paralysis. (laughs) Oh, lovely. Oh, very nice. By all means, don't think about the validity of what they're claiming your life hinges on. Oh, do not ask what is it. Do not ask, uh, do not ask not whether it's not insane. Simply open wide for the spoon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For me, the slogan means there's no set way to argue intellectual type stuff about the program. Surrender to win. Give it away to keep it. God as you understand him. You can't think about it like an intellectual thing. Trust me, because... As, As a wise man once said... Give it away, give it away, give, give it, it away, away now. now. Trust me, because I've been there, man. You can, analy- you can analyze it till you're breaking tables with your forehead and find a cause to walk away back out there where the disease is. Or you can stay and hang in and do the best you can. AA's response to a question about its, ax- its axioms, then, is to invoke an axiom about the inadvisability of all such questions. <laughs> I ain't AA day, man. No one like individual can respond for AA. 
Am I out of line in seeing something totalitarian about it? Something, dare I say, un-American? To interdict a fundamental doctrinal question by invoking a doctrine against questioning? Wasn't this the very horror the Madisonians were horrified of in 1791? <laughs> Amendments 1 and 9? My grievance is disallowed because my petition for redress is a priori interdicted by the inadvisability of all petitioning? Uh, I'm about to get fucking lapped here. I'm so not following. You honestly don't see what's a little whacked out about what you're saying about denial? I'm thinking your failure to engage me on the question itself either means I'm right and AA's whole belonging versus denial matrix is constructed on logical sand, in which case horror, or else it means you're stupefied with condescending pity for me for some reason I fail to grasp doubtless because of denial, in which case the look on your face right now is the same weary patience that makes me want to scream in meetings. So scream. They can't kick you out. How comforting. This is the thing I do know. They can't kick you out. (laughs) Uh, Before we go, that's the end of uh, that end note, but before we go back to the text, uh, I was recommended a piece by uh, writer Leslie Jameson about being a sober writer and uh, reading Infinite Jest and finding solace in uh, the portrait of AA. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's an anecdote where she was going to AA and there was like basically an ancient man in a wheelchair who like was heckling her (laughs) as she was sharing like a story up up at the podium or whatever. And it it truly, I mean, if those two things track, there's I think maybe very little that can get you kicked out of an AA meeting, <laughs> which is a kind of crazy thing yeah. in and of itself. What well, it has to be, I mean, that I think that's the first of all. I appreciate that Don Gately is a man and brother type guy. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, good good Boston uh, yeah. energy. I, I appreciate a guy who refers to other people as brother. <laughs> uh, but I I mean I I I I really like that little end note of like kind of the two ways to approach something like this i mean that's my one of my understandings of aa is that you have to kind of i mean it literally is you have to give yourself over to a high power to surrender to, that's part of it is being like a bit mystical yeah uh and as much of an as an asshole uh you know like a conceited prick as he's characterizing the jeffrey as uh you know i i get being bristling at that kind of illogicalness of of having to do a program like that of giving yourself away to a program like that but i also appreciate uh don gately being like i don't know man i don't know man <laughs> just do it yeah what the, I, I don't know what to tell i don't you. know what to tell you, you gotta just do it just do the damn thing <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't make sense <laughs> well i i don't know man <laughs> that, I, I just like that sometimes no. shit doesn't make sense yeah it's true that's the worst recognizing yeah. that uh, all right, back to the text. Day wears chinos of indeterminate hue, brown socks with black <laughs> shoes, and shirts that Pat Montesian had described in the intake as uh, Eastern European type Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> I would love some of those. Day's now on the vinyl couch with Charlotte Treat after breakfast in the Ennett House living room with a few of the other residents that either aren't working or don't have to be at work early. And with Gately, who'd pulled an all-night dream duty shift out in the front office till 0400, then got temp relieved by Johnette Foltz so he could go to work janitor- janitoring up uh, down at the Shattuck shelter till 0700, then came and hauled ass back up here and took back over so that Johnette could go off to her N.A. thing with a bunch of N.A. people in what looked like a dune buggy if the dunes in question were in hell. <laughs> 
and is now, Gately, trying to unclench and center himself inside by tracing the cracks in the paint in the living room ceiling uh, with his eyes. Gately often feels a terrible sense of loss, narcotics-wise, in the AM, still even this long clean. His sponsor over at the White Flag Group says some people never get over the loss of what they'd thought was their one true best friend and lover. They just have to pray daily for acceptance and the brass danglers to move forward through the grief and loss to wait for time to harden the scab. The sponsor, Ferocious Francis G, doesn't give Gately one iona of shit for feeling some negative feelings about it. Iona? Iona. I assume that's a malapropism from Re Gately. <laughs> yeah. Or it's, from Francis. It's funny that it comes in the, uh, in the, the, text. Narr- the narration. You know? uh, on the contrary, he commends Gately for his candor in breaking down and crying like a baby and telling him about it one early a.m. over the payphone, the sense of loss. It's a myth. No one misses it. They're a particular substance. Shit, you wouldn't need help if you didn't miss it. You just have to ask for help and like turn it over the loss and pain, to keep coming, show up, pray, ask for help. Gately rubs his eye. Simple advice like this does seem like a lot of cliches. Days write about how it seems. Yes, and if Jeffrey Day keeps uh, on steering by the way things seem to him, then he's a dead man for sure. Gately's already watched dozens come through here and leave early and go back out there and then go to jail or die. Day ever gets lucky and breaks down finally and comes to the front office at night to scream that he can't take it anymore and clutch at Gately's pant cuff and blubber and beg for help at any cost. Gately will get to tell Day the thing is that the cliched directives are a lot more deep and hard to actually do to try and live by instead of just say. Mm -hmm. But he'll only get to say it if Day comes and asks. Personally, Gately gives Jeffrey D. like a month at the outside before he's back tipping his hat to parking meters. <laughs> <laughs> Except who is Gately to judge who will end up getting the gift of the program versus who won't, he needs to remember. He tries to feel like Day is teaching him patience and tolerance. It takes great patience and tolerance not to want to punt the little soft guy out into the Comav ravine and open up his bunk to somebody that really desperately wants it, the gift. Except who is Gately to think he can know who wants it and who doesn't deep down? Gately's arm is behind his head up against the sofa's other arm. The old DEC viewer is on to something violent and color enhanced Gately neither sees nor hears. It was part of his gifts as a burglar. He can sort of turn his attention on and off like a light. Even when he was a resident here, he'd had this prescient housebreaker's ability to screen input, to do sensory triage. It was one reason he'd even been able to stick out his nine residential months here with 21 other newly detoxed housebreakers, hoods, whores, fired execs, Avon ladies, subway musicians, beer-bloated construction workers, vagrants, indignant car salesmen, bulimic trauma mamas, (laughs) bunko, Uh, everyone on Twitter. Tag yourself. Yeah, tag yourself. Bunko artists, mincing pillow biters, (laughs) north end hard guys, pimply kids with electric nose rings, denial-ridden housewives, and etc. All jonesing and head gaming and mocus and grieving and basically whacked out and producing non-stopping output 24-7-365. At some point in here, Day is saying, so bring on the lobotomist. Bring him on, I say. Except Gately's own counselor, 
when he was a resident here, Eugenio Martinez, one of the volunteer alumni counselors, a one-eared former boiler room bunko man, and now a cellular phone retailer who'd hooked up with the house under the original founder, guy that didn't even use his first name, and had about 10 years clean, Gene M. did. Eugenio had lovingly confronted Gately early on about his special burglar's selective attention and about how it could be dangerous because how can you be sure it's you doing the screening and not the spider? Gene called the disease the spider and talked about feeding the spider versus starving the spider and so on and so forth. Eugenio M. had called Gately into the house manager's back office and said, what if Don's screening input turned out to be feeding the old spider? And what about an experimental unscreening of input for a while? Gately had said he'd do his best to try and come back out and tried to watch a spont decem of the Celtics while two resident pillow biters from the Fenway were having this involved conversation about some third fag having to go in and get the skeleton of some kind of fucking rodent removed from inside their butthole. Oh. Which takes us to EndNote 91. Oh, no. Did I ruin my spot? Uh... Not, not, not great, but, you know. Uh, pillow bi- ni- no, 91. Pillow biters, a North Shore term one Gately grew up with. It and if and the F term are the only terms for male homosexuals he knows still. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Give it, give, giving an end note to why, uh, why you're allowed to use the, use, sure. uh, the slurs. <laughs> the unscreening experiment had lasted half an hour. This was right before Gately got his 90-day chip and wasn't exactly wrapped real tight or real tolerant still. And at House this year is nothing like the freak show it was when Gately went through. <laughs> the scene's changed, man. <laughs> Gately has been completely substance-free for 421 days today. Ms. Charlotte Treat, with a carefully made-up, ruined face, is watching the viewer's stripe-shot cartridge while she needlepoints something. Conversation between her and Jeffrey D. has mercifully petered out. Day is scanning the room for somebody else to engage and piss off so he can prove to himself he doesn't fit in here and stay separated, off, isolated inside himself and maybe that get them so pissed off there's a beef and he gets bounced out, Day, and it won't be his fault. You can almost hear his disease chewing away inside his head, mm. feeding. Emile Minty, Randy Lenz, and Bruce Green are also in the room, sprawled in spring-shot chairs, lighting one gasper off the end of the last, their postures, the don't-fuck-with-me slouch of the streets that here makes their bodies' texture somehow hard to distinguish from that of the chairs. Nell Gunther is sitting at the long table in the doorless dining room that opens out right off the old DEC fold-out TP's pine stand, whitening her nails with a manicure pencil amid the remains of something she's eaten that involved serious syrup. <laughs> Bert, F., Berth, Bert F. Smith is also in there, way down by himself at the table's far end, trying to saw at a waffle with a knife and fork attached to the stumps of his wrists with Velcro bands. (laughs) A long time ago, former DMV driver's license examiner, Bert F. Smith is 45 and looks 70, has almost all white hair that's waxy and yellow from close order smoke, and finally got into Ennett House last month after nine months stuck in the Cambridge City shelter. Bert F. Smith's story is he's making his, like, 50th odd stab at sobriety in AA. Once devoutly RC, Bert FS has potentially lethal trouble with faith in a loving God ever since the RC church apparently granted his wife an annulment in, like, BS 99 after 15 years of marriage. 
Then for like several years, then for several years, a rooming house drunk, which on Gately's view is about like one step up from a homeless person type drunk. Bert F.S. got mugged and beaten half to death in Cambridge on Xmas Eve of last year and left there to like freeze there in an alley in a storm and ended up losing his hands and feet. Dooney Glynn's been observed telling Bert F.S. things like uh, that there's some new guy coming into the disabled room off Pat's office with Bert F.S. who's without not only hands and feet, but arms and legs and even a head and who communicates by (laughs) farting in Morris code. (laughs) This Sally earned Glynn three days full house restriction and a week's extra chore for what Johnette Foltz described in the log as excessive cruetly. (laughs) Exive cruetly. (laughs) There is a vague intestinal moaning in Gately's right side. Watching Bert F. Smith smoke a Benson and Hedges by holding it between his stumps with his elbows out like a guy with pruning shears is an adventure in fucking pathos as far as Gately's concerned. Oh, Jesus. And Jeffrey Day cracks wise about but there there but for grace. And forget about what it's like trying to... (laughs) And forget about what it's like trying to watch Bert F. Smith try and light a match. (laughs) (laughs) Gately, who's been on live-in staff here for four months now, believes Charlotte Treat's devotion to needlepoint is suspect. All those needles, in and out, of all that thin, sterile white cotton stretched drum tight in its round frame. The needle makes a kind of thud and squeak when it goes in the cloth. It's not much like the soundless pop and slide of a real cook and shoot, but still, she takes such great care. Gately wonders what color he'd call the ceiling if forced to call it a color. It's not white and it's not gray. The brown-yellow tones are from high-tar gaspers. A pall hangs up near the ceiling even this early in the new sober day. Some of the drunks and trank jockeys stay up most of the night, joggling their feet and chain-smoking, even though there's no cartridges or music allowed after O-O-O-H. He has that odd house staffer's knack, Gately, already, after four months, of seeing everything in both living and dining rooms without really looking. Emil Minty, a hardcore smack addict punk here for reasons nobody can quite pin down, is an uh, in an old mustard-colored easy chair with his combat boots up on one of the standing ashtrays, which is tilting not quite enough for Gately to tell him to watch out, please. Minty's orange mohawk and the shaved skull around it are starting to grow out brown, which is just not a pleasant sight in the morning at all. The other ashtray on the floor by his chair is full of the ragged little new moons of bitten nails, which has got to mean that the Hester T that he'd ordered to bed at 0230 was right back down here in the chair going at her nails again the second Gately uh, Gately left to mop shit at the shelter. When he's up all night... Gately's stomach gets all tight and acidy from either all the coffee, maybe, or just staying up. Minty's been on the streets since he was like 16, Gately can tell. He's got that sooty complexion homeless guys get where the soot has insinuated itself into the dermal layer and thickened, making Minty look somehow upholstered. And the big arm driver for Leisure Time Ice, the quiet kid, green, a garbage head, all substance type kid, maybe 21, face very slightly smunched in on one side, wears sleeveless khaki shirts and had lived in a trailer in that apocalyptic Enfield trailer park out near the Alston Spur. Gately likes Green because he seems to have got sense enough to keep his map shut when he's got nothing important to say, which is basically all the time. The tattoo on the kid's right tricep is a spear-pierced heart over the hideous name Mildred Bonk, 
who mm-hmm. Bruce G told him was a ray of living light and a dead ringer for the late lead singer of The Fiends in Human Shape and his dead hearts one love forever and who took their daughter and left him this summer for some guy that told her he ranched fucking longhorn cows east of Atlantic City, New Jersey. <laughs> He's got, even by Ennett House standards, major league sleep trouble, green, and he and Gately play cribbage sometimes in the wee dead hours, a game Gately pitched, picked up in jail. Bert F.S. is now hunched in a meaty coughing fit, his elbows out and his forehead purple. No sign of Hester Thrale, nail-biter, and something Pat calls borderline. Gately can see everything without moving or moving his uh, head or either eye. Also in here is Randy Lenz, who Lenz is a small-time organic Coke dealer who wears sport coats rolled up over his parlor-tanned forearms and is always checking his pulse on the inside of his wrists. It's come out that Lenz is of keen interest to both sides of the law, because this past May, he'd apparently all of a sudden lost all control and holed up all of a sudden in a Charlestown motel and freebased most of a whole hundred grams he'd been fronted by a suspiciously trusting Brazilian in what Lenz didn't know was supposed to have been a DEA sting operation <laughs> in the South End. Having screwed both sides in what Gately secretly views as a delicious fuck-up, Randy Lenz has, since May, been the most wanted he's probably ever been. (laughs) He is seedily handsome in the way of pimps and low-level coke dealers, muscular in the MP-ish way that certain guys' muscles look muscular but can't really lift anything, (laughs) with complexly gelled hair and the little bird-like head movements of the deeply vain. One forearm's hair has a little hairless patch, which Gately knows well spells knife owner. (laughs) (laughs) Proud knife owner. Maybe maybe once yeah, that paragraph. Yeah. Stop there. Um, and if there's one thing Gately's never been able to stomach, it's a knife owner. Little <laughs> swaggery guys that always queer a square beef and come up off the ground with a knife when you have where you have to get cut to take it away from them. <laughs> Lens is teaching Gately reserved politeness to people oh, you what? Crack, cracked his racket in frustration. Whoa, oh. Let me hold wait, on, wait, let's wait, see wait, the let's replay. That's Djokovic. Look at that. Whoa. Crunched that, it. Honestly, uh, so... Uh, I just couldn't for, do that with a fucking yeah, tennis racket. I, I feel like we've been referencing this offhand. Every time we record, I've been putting on tennis highlights on the TV in silent. Yeah. Um, and uh, we just watched somebody uh, just smash Nadal, just smash his racket. No, that was jo- that was uh, Novak Djokovic. That was uh, Djokovic? Yeah. Jo- that's the Djokovic. <laughs> that's the Djokovic. Has anyone done that? I'll have to look. <laughs> I am going to become I'm going to become the Djokovic. <laughs> I'm going to get really good at tennis and be Serbian. Uh, yes, uh, Djokovic uh, smashing his his racket. Uh, but honestly, I've seen quite a few people smash their racket in frustration on this, which seems it's like, like a real bratty thing to do when you're a professional tennis player. I think that's part of the game. I do. I do think in the same way that you know excessive celebration or you know hockey players getting in fights is just a part it's of the sport. Of the, the masculine, sp- yeah, the the martial energy. Sometimes of sport. you gotta smash your racket. Um, what do you call it in skateboarding when you break your skateboard? There's a word for it. Uh, I forget, but I know you're right. Fuck. Well, let's finish, finish this uh, stretch of, of paragraph. Uh, please, please feel free to indulge my uh, aphasia because last week I did not remember the word for what happens uh a goal in business uh and oh, it, yes. and someone tweeted at me thank god and said the words that you're looking for is conversion <laughs> yes uh so th- thank you thank you for that um anyway where where am i 
Lens is teaching Gately reserved politeness to people you pretty much want to beat up on sight. It's pretty obvious to everybody except Pat Montesian, whose odd gullibility in the presence of human sludge, though, Gately needs to try to remember had been one of the reasons why he himself had got into Ennett House originally. <laughs> obvious that Lens is here mostly just to hide out. He rarely leaves the house except under compulsion, avoids windows, and travels to the nightly required AA slash NA meetings in a disguise that makes him look like Cesar Romero after a terrible accident. <laughs> And then he always wants speaking of, speaking of the Joker. Uh, and then he always wants to walk back to the house solo afterward, which is not encouraged. Lens is seated low in the northeasternmost corner of an old fake velour love seat. He's jammed in the northeasternmost corner of the living room. Randy Lens has a strange compulsive need to be north of everything <laughs> and possibly even northeast of everything. And Gately has no clue what it's about, but observes Lens's position routinely for his own interests and files. <laughs> Lens's leg, like Ken Erdetti's leg, never stops joggling. Uh, that's the first. I was just wondering what, what was going on with Ken Erdetti. He's there, just not. I assume he's. Uh, I assume he's at work right now because he's not at the home. But he's he's in there. He's come. He has come in, come inside or whatever. <laughs> uh, Day claims it joggles even worse in sleep. Another gurgle and abdominal chug for John G lying there. Charlotte Treat has violently red hair, as in hair the color of, like, a red crayon. The reason she doesn't have to work outside a me uh, work an outside menial job is she's got some strain of the virus, or like HIV. Former prostitute, reformed. Why do prostitutes, when they get straight, always try and get so prim? It's like long-repressed librarian ambitions come flooding out. Charlotte T. has a cut-rate whore's hard, half-pretty face. <laughs> Jesus, her eyes lassoed with shadow all around all four lids. Her also with a case of the dermal layer sooty complexion. The riveting thing about Treat is how her cheeks are deeply pitted in these deep trenches that she packs with foundation and tries to cover over with blush, which, along with the hair, gives her the look of a mean clown. <laughs> Perhaps some, something like the Joker. Uh, the ghastly wounds in her cheeks look all for the world like somebody got at her with a wood-burning kit at some point in her career path. Gately would rather not know. Is that a good stopping point? I think it's a good stopping yeah. point. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> I, I appreciate what uh, the, the he's doing of being, like, very blunt with how, <laughs> like... Uh, grim the scene is here. Yeah. Uh, but also funny about it. He's taking like, a little uh, like kind of sick sick pleasure in it, which I guess I, th I I'm guessing his thought is, well, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, I I also think, you know, it it kind of has like the the reality and empathy of someone who's been through it of like you know existing in that space and being like god look at all these sick freaks yeah but i'm also one of these sick freaks yes yeah right the uh, don don being like okay well i can't be mad at the sludge that has been let into this house because i was that sludge i am the slime and i still might be i'm the slime uh There's, i, I sorry, also god. really like the the jeffrey day character is like the guy who thinks he's too good for it and trying to argue his way out of it I think that's David Foster Wallace, the yeah. over overeducated guy, thinks he can think his way out of addiction. Yes, and he thinks you can argue, and I mean that is the. I know that there are like criticisms of AA and stuff, but that's kind of the thing is that you have to like it. It you know the program doesn't necessarily make sense in in the rational way, but you have to give yourself over to it and just like 
let, let it be. It is the the paradox. It's just the paradox of like yeah. spirituality in general. Because obviously this is about yes. this is about addiction and recovery. But I also think it could just be applied to living. These are people with just an especially uh, tough uh, way to live. Yeah, it's, but like, it, it's your sensitivity to living turned up all the way. Turned up all the way. Yeah, your your lack of uh, well adjustedness. But yeah. I mean the the state that Don Gately uh, you're living all over me. <laughs> The state that Don Gately is in at this point where he's like over a year sober and he's, you know, working at this mm -hmm. house, which I do believe that, you know, it's a nine month stay. And then not everyone obviously you, gets to be gets to work there and afterwards. Then you get potentially invited to be a counselor. You get potentially invited to be a counselor. But even that is not an unlimited job like mm -hmm. that is still at a certain point because like he was saying that he emilio whatever his name was was his version of himself and he's e not eugenio, there anymore right? eugenio yeah eugenio i know because one of my college roommates was called eugenio or was named eugenio and that's a cool name so there is this sense of like a uh, tra transience of even yeah. being able to like be be there but i just love don the way don thinks that he's 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 judging people mm -hmm. and then he's Clock, he's pulling back on that and being like, well, who am I to judge? I feel like I do that sometimes, too. I well, do that a lot, actually. I mean, you, you kind of have to. I mean, you do have to judge people because, I mean, otherwise, what is the entertainment in being the entertainment? What is <laughs> the entertainment in being human in society if you don't get to like make fun of people in your head but also yes, you have but to know you that you are to... one of those people that other people are making fun you, of. Yes, and we if you can hold society. if you can hold those two Th things in your brain at the same time without going nuts then i think life will be okay yeah sometimes i lean more towards the judging side and sometimes i lean more towards the the non-judging side but yeah i mean but especially in a situation like being in an a aa i think that that is that's the kind of thing that that will keep you sane is is like again again that that concept of like look at all these sick freaks but again but i am also perhaps i am the sickest freak of them all right yeah, they're they're before the the grace of God go I, yeah. but then also, <laughs> but but also my my life isn't also that <laughs> yeah, that but, great, and I'm not that great. But either. then again, I am I am also living in the and uh, in house drug and alcohol rehabilitation house. <laughs> There's just so many different kinds of yeah I also ways to like fuck up your life too, I th yeah. and I think that's what he's trying to show. I mean, it was there was a passage before that. Was talking about all the things that you could get addicted basically, to that weren't substances he's like TV. Playing uh, the p he's doing his version of Piano Man. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't know. For for every type of person there is, there is a, a thing that could you know take yeah. them out and ru ruin their life in, yeah. through uh, obsession and then and then dependence. Yes, I love. <laughs> I just really love uh, him. Uh, Don Gately calling condescension dissension. Dissension, yes. Oh, oh, what was the the ex, extra cruelty? What was the the phrase? Uh, ex exive cru cruelly. Cruelly. Exive <laughs> cruelly. I I appreciate when he does the um the the yeah the malapropisms and misspellings in the uh, narration. Mm -hmm. Also, along the same lines, we were, what were we talking about recently that had the same uh you know tick where he starts sentences going and also but so yeah oh yeah yeah and it's, but, it's and cool. but so there's this thing and but so there's this thing <laughs> uh it's, it's a nice little i mean it, it, affectation i guess i mean i i think the criticism of it would be um 
that, uh, uh, you know, it, it is just an affectation. But, you know, it, it, I appreciate that, that, that the actual narration, narr- you know, narrative structure of it is conversational. Yeah, right. It, it is not. And that, um, and that, you know, super complex sentences uh, like the ones that Jeffrey Day speaks in are used to alienate people, yes. not to try to, like, narrate anything. Yeah. Which is uh, one of the globally funny things about this. Uh, the polo symbols are getting too big. Uh, oh, have you seen? You can get a shirt, a Ralph Lauren polo that's like. The whole shirt is the polo. Is he? Now, Djokovic, he's sponsored by Delta? <laughs> the airline? I mean, that must be sick. Although, then you're you flying get, commercial, which like, I mean, whatever. But I guess when you're a tennis guy, you got to fly all the time. All these places happen all over the world. Uh, do Do professional tennis players have to fly commercial is that like a thing i assume yeah they're not you have to be real real rich to fly private like that's yeah it's it doesn't it cost like twenty thousand dollars to like fly a private plane Uh, yeah i don't know i i have no idea sorry (laughs) Uh, what am i trying to do oh that's one of the globally funny things about uh infinite justice you know it's it's held up of this paradigm of you know highfalutin intellectualism but you know for the most part it is written like uh like uh, a, a fairly clever guy at a bar trying to tell you a story, you know? Yes. Yeah. Right. It's always trying to orient you as if you're like, if you don't, that you don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to become the Djokovic. I'm going to become the Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> Just grab a, a screen, a clip of his face and, and paint some, <laughs> some stuff on it. Yeah. Oh man. That, w- that would get you some points on Twitter. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about uh, from this one? I mean, in from this one, not not sure. Uh, in in Infinite Jestian news, uh, my favorite anti influencer, Caroline Calloway, has been selling books uh, that she owns mm-hmm. and including a, a completely uncracked Infinite Jest <laughs> for twenty five dollars. And for twenty five dollars, she will write uh, an inscription of whatever you want. In the uh, have you considered getting a Caroline Calloway? No, because copy? if you pay, unfortunately, if you pay for something that Caroline Calloway says says that they will, uh, she will give you, uh, you will not receive it. Cla- <laughs> classically and infamously, that that's part of the deal. Ca- Callow- Caroline Calloway is also very much do not engage. Well, that's the thing. I I posted uh, that she was trying to do the same selling scam with a copy of. Um, uh, the Communist Manifesto, <laughs> and I had put it in a thread where I was tracking Caroline Calloway's uh, interest in, you know, Ber- the Bernie Sanders campaign right, and, right, and right. in leftism broadly. And uh, then this was the uh, the latest incidents, and she uh, blocked me because she name searches. Uh, Having previously said that you were invited to her apartment to have dinner. Yes. Uh, well, here here's the thing. My my uh, for the bachelorette party that I uh, never got to have due to COVID. Wait, Instead, uh, I was treated. Yes. Two things. Uh, for sale. Infinite jest. Never written. Never, never read. read. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just came up, I came up with that. I was going to try to do that for the bachelor bachelorette oh. party. Uh, bachelorette party. Had fun. Never married. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a flex to have a bachelorette party and then call off the wedding, yes. and just because you wanted to have that that energy in your party. life. Yeah. No, I was I was supposed to have a bachelorette. Uh, COVID happened. It got canceled. Uh, there was a Zoom bachelorette instead. And I was presented uh, via Zoom screen share with a cameo from Caroline Calloway that uh, was paid for, which I believe cost a hundred dollars. Evian in the ba- background. Uh, I think it's a, it was a hundred dollars to get her speaking for a minute, if you could believe that. Yes, but oh, she, I can't believe it. 
but she had known who I was and she said as much in the cameo because I had tweeted that she um uh, a comment on her this is a like long story but whatever it, it all ends with me getting blocked a comment on her Instagram said that Bernie Sanders was the best choice for the presidential election because he was the only candidate that didn't leave anyone behind mm-hmm. no means testing no uh you know Warren-esque uh he- hedging yeah. of uh whatever's and I thought that was the the easiest way to describe uh Bernie in Bernie comparison to the other so. progressive candidates mm-hmm. uh at that heady time in that in that life and I uh I said as much on the on an episode of Chapo. Yeah, when we were uh, all in Iowa, someone tweeted out. about it, and then I think she found it, and then she said in the cameo, "Like, wow, that's so crazy." Um, and she, yeah, she invited me to her home. She said, "Once, once COVID is over, you have an invite to the tableau, which is what she calls the pile of stuff that she keeps on her <laughs> ground her, in her, her apartment." Pile of trash. And for anyone who's listening to this podcast and doesn't know who Caroline Calloway is, I'm not sure I can. It, that's a podcast. In uh, and of that's itself. on you. That's a YP, not an MP. And if you have any specific questions, uh, feel free to tweet at me at Miss Molly Mary. But anyway, this is all to say that I went from getting an invite to her house uh, to her seeing me snarkily tweeting that she was she Caroline. Cal- Callaway, who said that uh, criticism of her OnlyFans presence uh, was co- uh, tantamount to uh, fucked up communist bullshit. <laughs> uh, she she unfortunately did block me, and now I am I cannot see her her tweets or her Instagrams. You have to open the private window. To I have see to it. open the private window. Um, yeah. And uh, and that's on that. Uh, she hasn't read Infinite Jest. That's how this all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say it again because I think it's a funny joke for sale. Infinite Jest. Never read. Never read. Saddest uh, short story. Saddest short story, sure. Uh, I think that's enough. I think that's enough. We're we're just we're kind of just rambling. We're just we're rambling rambling rose. Uh, I liked the image, the very simple but very evocative image of Don Gately put his one hand behind his head as he laid on the couch. You know, in in the way that you do to use your arm as a pillow. Yeah, big boy. I feel like Don Gailey and I have similar body body types. Yeah, yeah. I would. I don't know how tall he actually is, but he's a he's a large boy. Large. He's large. Uh. All right. I'm hungry. It's time to get a breakfast sandwich. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.